Hey, this is Mike Signorelli, the lead pastor of V1 Church, and you are tuning in to the official V1 Church podcast. In this message, I'm going to teach you how you can have hell in your home, but you can invite heaven into your soul. I mean, your mind is a place where so much warfare happens, and I want to teach you how to allow the culture of heaven to invade and colonize your mind and your thought life. So without further ado, take notes, lean in, and I have a very special message for you on the other side. I'll see you then. Um, But write this down if you're taking notes. We have some note takers here. Oh, snaps. They're all sitting right there because they just blew my eardrums out. All right. The first thing I want to teach you today is that heaven isn't just a destination. Heaven is a choice. So heaven isn't just a destination. Heaven is a choice. We've made it a destination because oftentimes our theology actually reflects our escapism. And we want to get out of situations. That's really what it is. I mean, we, we're at work and we're watching the clock because we want to get out. We have toddlers and, and, and babies in diapers and we want them to get out of that phase. We have teenagers and Bella is rapidly becoming one who sass us. No, she hasn't. She's still good. She's still good before that disease called puberty. And we, we're always trying to escape our situation and accelerate into the next season. And even we've even adapted our theology to conform scripture to say we say a prayer and we hit the escape hatch button and we magically go to heaven. Which, if you've been listening to this series, has anyone been leaning into this series as it is in heaven? This has been one of the most talked about series we've preached in a long time. Because Jesus, when he taught the disciples how to pray... He didn't say, say this prayer and then just hold on tight for the next several years until we all go to heaven. He actually said, pray like this. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Wait a second. So the plan isn't for us to get out of here. It's for heaven to come here. Your will be done on Long Island as it is in heaven, in Queens as it is in heaven. And we've been unpacking exactly what that means. And so to take a little bit deeper today, do I have your permission to go deep today, by the way? All right. Heaven isn't just a destination. If you understand kings and kingdoms, the culture of heaven wants to colonize your mind first. And after it colonizes your heart and mind, it wants to colonize this region because heaven (coughs) wants to come here. And let me say it another way. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down as well. You can have hell in your house, but heaven in your soul. Heaven isn't just a destination. Heaven's a choice. Do we have some atmosphere changers in the room today? Yes, we do. You know, we don't want what's real. A lot of times we tell people, hey, can I just get real? I'm about to preach to you. Can I just be real? But you know what we are? We're really just complaining. We're that when we say we're real, when we say we're being transparent, we're actually just being real negative. You ever notice nobody says, let me be real and then says something positive. (laughs) You ever notice that? I just want a preacher that's real. Okay, well, you're not going to get one that's depressed, but I will be real. And sometimes we get real negative. We get really selfish. We get really into ourselves. But but the thing is, collectively, as a species, we don't want real. We want what's better. You know how I know? Because every single social media platform has a filter. Why don't you tell your neighbor, look at him, say, put a filter on it. Now look at that other person that you ignored your second choice and look at them on the other side of you and say, put a filter on it. 
See, wasn't that an awkward moment where you, you all just realized, like, who really loves you in the room? Put a filter on it. Somebody say, put a filter on it. All right, so when you're on Instagram, matter of fact, the single people know all about the filters. Have you ever showed up for your first date and you're like, man, you look so different that you catfished me with a picture of yourself because, because this is a lie. You ever look at somebody in a first date, single people, and, and you're like, you're looking at the app, you're looking at, you're like, I swiped this. And, and then you're looking at them like, you are going to go to hell on a technicality because you're a liar. You are a liar. You are busted. And, but you are a professional at Photoshop. I will tell you that. You do have skills. You rearranged your whole face. <laughs> Somebody say, put a filter on it. You know, and, and the thing is, we, we want and need filters. Matter of fact, filters are so ubiquitous. We have grandparents. Your grandmother is on Snapchat using a filter right now. We all want better we don't want real. We want better. And we produce this as a species. Can I read some scripture to you today? Now, I'm going to read a scripture that you think you know, but I want you to read it now through the lens of kingdom. Now, if, you, if this is your first Sunday, you're going to have to go back and listen to the previous two episodes to get caught up to the class. But I'm telling you that today is so important to understand because we're going to unlock a deep truth that you're going to leave here saying, I'm so glad that I heard that. So can I read Romans chapter 12 to you? Therefore, I urge you, brothers, on account of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Let me pause there and just say, according to this scripture, it's possible to sing the songs in church and, and yet you have not worshiped. Somebody slow clapping it in in the back. It is possible to, to memorize every Hillsong and Bethel song and cry while you're worshiping your own hurt feelings and yet never worship the king. There's a lot of songs today, and I'm not hating on any genre, that are worshiping the idolatry of our own hurt feelings. And so if you understand Romans chapter 12 and you understand kings and kingdoms, it says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not, say the phrase, do not. Do not. It sounds like a command. Any parents know that when you say the phrase do not, it is not an option, <laughs> right? Do not touch it. And what do they do? <laughs> do not say another word. What do they say? Verse two, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing. The prefix, prefix re means to do it again. Renewing insinuates what? A process. The renewing of your mind. Somebody say, put a filter on it. See, I'm just going through a process. I might not sound like I've arrived yet, but I'm renewing my mind and going through a process. You know, I wanted to connect with my Italian roots when I was at Indiana University, so I took Italian. And I'll never forget, I had this girl who sat behind me who was from Southern Indiana. And as we were learning Italian in the 101, when they would go to each student, whenever it got to her, she would say, she would say, Como stai? Mi chiamo, Susan. And I'd be like, Susan, you're not ready for Italy. <laughs> she was going through a process of learning Italian. She had the same tongue that the Italians have, 
but it hadn't learned the language that's native to their region. You know, just because some of your friends say you're a hypocrite because you go to church but don't sound like a church person doesn't mean that you're not learning the tongue of heaven. It doesn't mean you're not getting ready to start sounding like you're from the place that you call citizenship to. And it says, don't be conformed to the way they talk, the way they walk, but if you will renew your mind and you will not be conformed to their patterns, then, say the word then, then insinuates a cause and effect relationship. Then you will be able, you will be able, not you might. Is anyone following me today? Cause and effect. Don't conform to the way they think, the way they talk culturally, the way they understand. Don't conform to that. Don't think like they think. Don't talk like they talk. And then continually renew your mind. Then you will, not might, you will be able to discern what is good, pleasing, and the perfect will of God. When I'm on Instagram and, and, and Instagram and Facebook Live, the number one question I get as a pastor is, how do I know the perfect will of God for my life? Romans chapter 12 is the answer. If you will do what this instruction is in this book, you will know the perfect will of God for your life. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, or you might not be able to be on the parking team and the parking lot at your local church. Don't think more of yourself than you ought to be because you might not be satisfied with pouring a cup of coffee because your heart is on the stage. Don't think more about yourself than you ought to because the wife of your youth might not satisfy you anymore because the whore of your Instagram account is more of a bait for you. And if you can't look at a woman and you can't see a wife, if you can't look at a woman and see a daughter who serves the king, maybe you don't serve him for yourself either. And it's about time that we start looking at our lives and examining ourselves and saying, am I conforming to the way that Pornhub taught me to think? Or am I conforming to the word and the washing of the word to renew my mind so I can be free of the chains that everyone else is in bondage to? That's being real. I'm not sorry. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. What if some of the bondage in your life isn't low self-esteem? It's actually false humility with the mask on. Because oftentimes we can walk around and act like everything is okay, but in our hearts, we're saying something else. But think of yourself with sober judgment. Judge yourself. That's literally what it's saying. But it doesn't say the judgment of the world, which isn't sober. What's the opposite, what, what is opposite of sober is to be intoxicated. So the world judges themselves, but with this intoxicated judgment that's never satiated. The sober judgment that we judge ourselves is when we remind ourselves perpetually we are hidden in Christ. And because we're hidden in his sacrifice and what he did, anything I'll ever attempt to offer him is filthy rags because the price has already been paid and the deity has already been satiated. It's with sober judgment that I say, according to the faith that God has given me, I am who he says he is because of what he did, not because what I'll ever be able to do. Anyone picking up on what I'm putting down? 
Your kingdom come, your will be done. Renew your mind and you will be able to discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Before the culture of heaven can ever colonize our region, it must first colonize our mind. Let me just say this. I have studied so much of what other churches have presented on this topic. And I can just tell you, if I wanted to preach you stupid today, if I wanted to preach and, and everyone comes out of their seat standing ovation, here's how I would preach it. On Long Island as it is in heaven, there's no sickness in heaven. Therefore, there's no sickness that's going to be here. Everyone's getting healed. Now, if I wanted to preach you silly, that's how I'd preach it. But that's not true. That's a logical fallacy. And it preaches real good. But did you know that when Jesus was walking this planet, there were people in his midst who were never healed? Can I say it? Can I give you another perspective? There are people that he did divinely heal and even say this healing is is literally representing the fact that the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. But those people still died later on. So if I'm here to convince you that your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven is another way of saying that everyone's going to be healed and everything's going to be perfect here. I'm setting you up ironically for a failure and giving you a reason to dismiss this whole thing. So what then could on earth as it is in heaven actually mean? Well, let me just tell you something. Some people say, well, I'm not going to church because there's a whole bunch of imperfect people there. Well, you you might want to stop going to work and school and your own home. Right? But did you know that even in the perfect environment of heaven, there was a created being named Lucifer? And in the created, and these created beings, these these angelic beings, all corroborated around the idea that when, when Lucifer said, I am like God, they empathized with each other. And as a result of their disobedience against God, the Bible goes, gives an account that in the perfect environment of heaven, one third of the angels, including Lucifer, were cast out. So if you're like, well, I'm waiting for a perfect envi- environment for me to show up. I mean, heaven, sin happened, happened in heaven because created beings were given a will. So your own will in a perfect environment can still produce rebellion. Now, what does that mean for you and me? Let me tell you what it means. It means that as it is in heaven, what if I told you it's not so much about us selfishly getting all of our needs met? What if it's not about you getting your body healed, but it's actually about you offering your body up as a living sacrifice? Because it's not about the healing. It's not about riches and wealth and everything we think we want and need. What if it's about obedience? Because in heaven, there's no other option but to obey the king. So when Jesus prayed, let it be on earth as it is in heaven, what if he was actually saying, let us be obedient to the king as they are in heaven? Doesn't that change it? Because sometimes when you accept that truth, then you can be served any circumstance in life and you can worship in it. Because your worship isn't attached to the outcome. Your worship is attached to who he is. And when your worship is attached to whether or not a random check came in the mail, you might not worship if the check doesn't show up. If your worship is attached to the fact that your husband now is serving the Lord instead of going out and serving Jack Daniels, then you might not worship if he doesn't show up to church that Sunday. If your worship is attached to an outcome that you feel is beneficial to you, it might not be worship. But if you can simply say he is the king and I surrender to the king, then you can offer your body up a living sacrifice and you can enter pure worship.
pure worship. I know this is not an easy, easy word, but I'm just telling you that God is going to change our region when he first changes our mind. And the battlefield of your mind is won through only one form of warfare. Do you want me to tell you what it is? Surrender. That's how it's won. And before the flag of heaven is flown in your mind, you must face, you must first wave the flag of surrender. Surrender to the king. Surrender to the king. Somebody say, put a filter on it. Be not conformed to this world means that you'll have their tongue, but you're going to be talking different words. Be not conformed to this world means that you're going to go to the same bank they go to, but your spending habits are going to reveal that your heart is with the kingdom. It's going to mean that you live in the same neighborhood on the same block, but your home is, a, is an embassy of heaven and everything and everyone around you has to surrender to the fact that there is something different going on in your life. We say we want real, but we want better. And let me just tell you what, what was being revealed. The truth of Romans chapter 12 is this. In the kingdom of God, the longer you keep the filter on, the more you conform to it. See, when you have your iPhone up, and you put that filter on yourself and you say, man, I actually look good. Forget the vitamin D, forget working out, forget the creams. I'm just going to use this filter. What happens with the filter of God's word, what happens with the filter of the leading of his Holy Spirit is the longer you keep that filter on your face, even when you're not reading the word, even when it's not in front of you, you still look like it. You still talk like it. It's the only filter that you place on that changes you on a DNA level. It changes you to the point where you pull it away. You're not in your quiet time. You're not in your Devo time. You're not reading the word anymore, but you sound like the word. You look like the word. You act like the word. You can Conform to the filter that you place on yourself. Somebody shall put a filter on it. I don't want you to be real. I want you to be better. And that's what God wants for you to do too. Let me just kind of close out on this because we're talking about Romans chapter 12 being kingdom talk, offering our bodies up. You know, there's this rebellion that we all have going on in our soul. And, and let, me, let me do an exercise with you to prove to you what I'm talking about, okay? You guys ready? This is going to be an interactive sermon. Get, your, get a little space going. I want you to do this. Now, I'm going to have to put down the mic to show you, but you're going to stretch your hands out, and then you're going to close them and clasp them on themselves like this. Watch. See if you can do it. Okay, keep doing it. Now I want you to hold it. Hold it. Now as you have your hands held together, which thumb is on top? Some of you left, some of you right. Isn't it funny how when you're asked to do something you've never done before, what comes natural to us in the room is all different? Now I want you to do something else. I want you to do it again, but this time I want the opposite thumb to be on top. I want you to land on the opposite thumb. You ready? All right, go ahead and do it. And hold it there. Now how much did I just violate your mind? How wrong does that feel? Isn't it funny how it will feel wrong to do something that you only did a couple of times? 
Isn't it funny how I was able to get inside of your mind in such a way to reveal that there is something native to you, there is something natural to you, and if I give you a new way to do it on something as simplistic as that activity, your body will rebel against it? You know, there's a fallen nature you have, and we'll come into church, and you'll see everyone worshiping like this, and then the worship leader will say, raise your hands, and it'll feel like putting the other thumb on top. It'll be like, what the heck is this? This feels weird. Or all of a sudden, I'll say, pray, and something supernatural will violate the natural. Do you see where I'm going with that? Be not conformed to what comes natural, but be conformed to the supernatural. Could I just submit to you that there's another way to live? There's another way to do life. If you come from a family like me, it might be natural to act like you're from the streets, but it's supernatural to have patience and long suffering and kindness and love flow through your heart. It might be natural. See, the thumb that lands on top might be the thumb called divorce. And that's what's natural for you. But God is saying, don't go that way. Don't conform yourself to that. But be ye renewed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's another way. There's another way. Is somebody getting something out of this? Is somebody getting something out of this? I want to end on this. You know, I was recently in Israel and I was asked to speak in front of the literal valley of the shadow of death. And as I was preaching into that place, I had this epiphany that it was a real geographic location because I thought it was just David being emo again. Because how many of you know David was emo? He, he, he posted on the very first Hebrew Tumblr. He dyed his hair jet black and he was emo. But the thing I love about David is that he was real, but he was a real worshiper. And we know about the trials and the temptations and the hardships of his life because he was real about them. But he didn't stop at real. He put a filter on it. And I believe that David was connecting with this distant place called heaven. And as he was worshiping to God, we have revealed in the language that he used in the Psalms and the songs that he wrote that he was getting a deep and profound revelation about how things function and how that might be different than how the people around him talk and walk and act. And when you read Psalm 23, it says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil. So what do we do when we're going through a season where we have the dream before we have the team? What do we do when we're going through a season of suffering before the medically verifiable miracle ever happens? What if you're not in a season of breakthrough? What if you're in a season of suffering right now? And what if by God's design and his sovereignty, he's letting you go through it because it's a refiner's fire to bring out every impurity inside of you so that you reflect a clearer picture of who he is. I mean, it's, it sounds really good to preach breakthrough, but what about when the preacher preaches suffering? Can you get down with that too, David? What happens when the prophet shows up and anoints you the next king, but the guy who has the title is throwing a javelin at your heart, trying to kill you, and instead of getting promotion, you're getting talked about by the people that should be lifting you up? What are you going to do then? And he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He finished his sentence. He finished his sentence. Next time your friends start complaining around you, if they go to V1 Church, they're accountable to this word. I dare you to look them in the eyes and say, finish your sentence now. I dare you, church. And here's what David said. 
he gets to this portion in Psalm 23 that we have translated in our English language, my cup runs over. Now, when you know that David was running for his life, narrowly escaping multiple murder attempts from the guy that he can't even disgrace because of the way spiritual authority works in scripture. That's a side note in a sermon I don't have time to preach. He ain't even gossiping about the guy who wants to kill him. He says, my cup runs over. Do you want to know the reality of David's situation? His cup felt dry. His cup felt empty. It felt like it was never going to happen. It was a cup of impossibility. But he didn't say that. He said, Kosi Ravaya. And the original language, Kosi Ravaya, doesn't mean my cup runs over. It translates like that in English. But do you know that there is a Hebrew scholar and there is a rabbi who said, when you put it in context, Kosi Ravaya doesn't mean my cup runs over. It was David saying, God, what you poured in my cup in this season, it satisfies me. It satisfies me. Oh, what a champion's heart. He was saying, this suffering satisfies me. My cup, it satisfies me. Whatever you pour, whatever I have to go through, whatever it looks like, I trust you at your word that it's going to come to pass. But Kosi Ravaya, my cup, it satisfies me. What if you could look sickness and death in the eyes and smile and say, this cup, it satisfies me. Kosi Ravaya. What if you could look your husband who's acting crazy in the eyes and say, I still believe you're going to serve the Lord with all your heart. Kosi Ravaya. I'm not going to rebel and try to get out of this season any longer. I spent years of my life wanting to drink out of someone else's cup. Oh God, I hate that second generation pastor whose dad handed him a mega church and he never had to build it from the ground up. I'm so angry, God. God said, Mike, finish your sentence. Kosi Ravaya. I don't want someone else's destiny. I was born an original. Every time you duplicate something, you decrease its value. My value is in the fact that I am who God called me to be. Kosi Ravaya. Stop wanting to drink out of someone else's cup. In Romans chapter 12, he said, offer your body as a living sacrifice. Then you will be able to know and discern that which is the perfect will of God. It's not the will of God for you to drink out of their cup. It's the will of God for you to accept what you were poured and say, Kosi Gravaya. This satisfies me. And when it satisfies me, it saturates me. I'm not here to just give you a perspective or a perception. I'm here to make a proclamation. I'm not here just to receive the data. I'm here to interpret through kingdom language and spit it out on the other side, sounding like Jesus himself. I am so excited right now thinking about what happened inside of your mind and inside of your life as a result of this teaching. Now, listen, the best thing that you can do right now is pay it forward. If God did something in your life, the Bible says that you are refreshed when you refresh others. How can you do that? Well, it's very simple. Take the link to this podcast and share it on your social media. Send it to a friend and we will see you next week.